many times in preparing the lessons that we study together on Sunday morning and Sunday night, many of those come from plans that have been asked that I deal with certain topics or certain issues. And sometimes I am studying along and I find a topic that captures my attention and I say, you know, I really want to spend some time studying that. I'd like to know a little bit more. I'd like to explore that idea. And uh, several months ago, I came across a little article talking about the other Beatitudes. And I thought that would make a really good sermon. I believe I might be able to squeeze enough to have a sermon out of it but I'm going to spend a little bit of time. And then I started studying the topic, and then I realized I can't do that in one lesson, so it's going to be at least a couple of lessons. But uh, let me point out to you that the Beatitudes are well-known and appreciated. If you think about the great Sermon on the Mount that the Lord preached in Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7, that sermon begins in Matthew chapter 5, verse 1, And in seeing the multitudes, he went up on the mountain, and when he had seated, his disciples came to him. And then he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Blessed are you when men shall persecute, or blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when men shall revile you, persecute you, and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my name's sake, or for my sake. You think about those wonderful Beatitudes. We've studied them here in the past. We've gone through them one by one. But do you realize that there are several other Beatitudes found in the Bible? In fact, there are seven of them found in the book of Revelation alone. And so as you start exploring these, you start realizing there's some great lessons to be found. And so tonight will be the first of at least two lessons. And the first part we're going to study is the meaning of the word blessed or blessed. And then we're going to look at some of the messages of the Beatitudes. And to start with, when you go to the New Testament, there are at least two different words that are translated blessed. The word that is found in Matthew chapter 5, verses 1 through 11, is the word makarios, which means pertaining to being happy with the implication of enjoying favorable circumstances. Sometimes I tell people I think the way it should be translated is fortunate. And then the other word that is found is eulogatos, which means worthy of praise. The word you means good. The word lego means to I say. So it's saying something good. It's praising someone. Well, the word that we're going to concentrate on is this word that's about how to be happy. I talk to people sometimes and they say, it's time for me to be happy for a while. And they're searching for happiness and they're searching to try to find some real meaning to their lives. And when you're trying to do that, you say, well, where can it be found? How can I find the real kind of happiness that is sustaining from day to day? 
Well, let's look at some of these passages, and I think it can be helpful. The first one we're going to begin with is found in Matthew chapter 11 and verse 6, and the parallel to it is found in Luke chapter 7 and verse 23. And blessed is he who is not offended because of me. And then Luke, and blessed is he who is not offended because of me. And when you think about the word offended, today there are so many people who are offended about everything. You talk about politics, somebody says, well, that offends me because I'm for the person of the other party. Or you talk about the kind of car you drive, and a person says, that offends me, I don't like that kind of car. There are people who get offended about everything. But that's not the way the word is used in the Bible. In fact, the word that is used in the Bible is the word scandalizo. We get the English word scandal from that or scandalize. But in the Bible, it means to cause somebody to stumble or it means to cause somebody to sin. Let me give you a good illustration of it. In Matthew chapter 5 and verse 29, if your right eye causes you to sin, pluck it out and cast it from you, for it is more profitable to you that one of your members should perish and your whole body should be cast into hell. Notice, it causes you to sin. If your right eye offends you, if your right eye scandalizes you, in other words, it's something that you just can't get past. Or Matthew 13, verses 55 through 58. And they ask, is this not the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary? And his brothers James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas? And his sisters, are they not with, all with us? Where did this man get these things? So they were offended at him. Now, the word offended, again, means they're made to stumble. They are uh, troubled by this to the point that it's making them go the wrong direction. But Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his own country and in his own house. And Now, he did not do many mighty works there because of their unbelief. The Lord saw these people didn't appreciate who he was. They, they couldn't get past the fact that he was the son of God and yet there was his mother, there was his brothers, there was his sisters. And yet Jesus is talking about here, blesses a man who's not offended in me. He's not caused to stumble. He's having difficulty getting past who I am. Well, in this context... Just like in Matthew chapter 11, verses 2 through 6, like John, we should not have doubts about Jesus. We shouldn't have difficulty getting past who he is and what he is. For just a minute, listen to Matthew 11. And when John heard in prison about the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples and said to him, Are you the coming one, or do we look for another? And Jesus answered and said to them, Go and tell John the things which you hear and see. The blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, the poor have the gospel preached to them. And blessed is he who is not offended because of me. Wow, you, you start seeing a person who's not got difficulties in getting past this. John? You shouldn't have doubts. 
John, you know what I have done. The healings, the miraculous works. You know, in Luke 24, verse 38, and he said to them, why are you troubled? And why do doubts arise in your hearts? James chapter 1 and verse 6, but let him ask in faith with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. Do you know when you say blessed or fortunate or happy is the man who's not offended, who's not made to stumble, who doesn't have difficulty getting past this? If you and I would just simply let go of all of our worldly hesitance and put our faith, our confidence, our trust in the Lord in everything, and recognize Him as the Christ, the Savior. Happiness is ours there to be enjoyed. Because then you can say, come what may, I can handle life and its challenges. The second one, Matthew chapter 13 and verse 16, and it's parallel in Luke chapter 10 and verse 23. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. And then Luke's account Then he turned to his disciples and said privately, Blessed are your eyes which see the things you see. Now these these are introducing the parables, particularly in Matthew 13, as the Lord will begin to tell a number of different parables regarding the kingdom or the church. And he's trying to prepare particularly the disciples to understand all the things that are related to the church to the kingdom that's going to come. And they were fortunate to be able to understand, to see and hear those events. They were able to be in the presence of the Lord. And if I think about that a lot, I think about what Peter wrote in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 10 through 12. He says, Of this salvation the prophets have inquired and searched carefully who prophesied of the grace that would come to you, searching what time or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ who was in them was indicating when he testified beforehand of the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow. To them it was revealed that not unto themselves but unto us they were ministering the things which have now been reported to you through those who preach the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven things which angels desire to look into. You see, there was a plan that God had about the coming of the church and the coming of the kingdom. And the apostles were witnesses of the Lord's preaching about the church and about everything that was going to be a part of it. And the Lord is saying, Blessed are your eyes, for they see. Blessed are your ears, for they hear. There's something to be fortunate or happy about in this. But then I think about, we're fortunate Because we even have more than the apostles had in that initial stage in Matthew 13. The Lord was literally unfolding before their eyes the church and the kingdom. But we have the full revelation. We have Matthew through Revelation that tells us all about the coming of the church. It tells us about the fulfillment of God's plan. When I think about that... We are blessed. We are fortunate because we have a Bible and our problem is we're neglecting it. 
We're neglecting the study of it. Matthew 11 and verse 11. Assuredly, I say to you that among those born of women, there's not arisen one greater than John the Baptist. But he who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. Do you realize as great as John the Baptist was, those of us who are in the church, who are in the kingdom, are more blessed than he was. We're fortunate. There's happiness to be had in understanding the church, listening and hearing the message of the Savior. Now the third one, found in Luke chapter 11, verses 27 and 28. This is the passage that Brother Corey read just a few moments ago. And it happened as he spoke these things, that a certain woman from the crowd raised her voice and said to him, Blessed is the womb that bore you and the breast which nursed you. But he said more than that, Blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. See, the context in which this is found, the Lord had cast out demons. There was a man who had been possessed and the Lord drove those demons out. Many people there were just absolutely astounded. And I think we would be too. Here's a man possessed. All sorts of things are happening to him and by him. And, and when the people looked at it, some of them were just amazed. But others said, he's doing this by the power of Beelzebub, the prince of demons. They couldn't fathom the idea that the Savior was doing this, that they, he was the Christ. But there was a woman amazed and impressed, likely a mother, who talked about how blessed his mother must have been. The womb that bore you, the breast that nourished you, you are, just think how blessed that woman was. She was blessed. In fact, it doesn't take long reading about Mary in Luke chapter 1 to realize that she was called blessed. In Luke 1, 27, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph, of the house of David, the virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. That woman who spoke up to Jesus didn't realize how true her words were. Mary was blessed. She was truly fortunate. Really happy to bear the Savior. Going on that same context, when Elizabeth comes in, it happened when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, that the babe, which happened to be, by the way, John the Baptist, leapt in her womb. Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And then she spoke out with a loyal voice saying, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. But why is this granted to me that the mother of the Lord should come to me? For indeed, as soon as the voice of your greeting sounded in my ears, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. Blessed is she who believed, for there will be fulfillment of those things which were told her from the Lord. You think about Mary, the mother of the Lord, how she reared him as, as a little child. You know, every mother thinks their child is special. But Mary's child 
was the son of God. And so as this woman in the crowd speaks up and says, blessed is that woman. But Jesus' response was, blessed are those who hear the word and keep it. He's trying to say, you really want to find a truly blessed person. Greater is those who hear the word and keep it. John 13, verse 17, if you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Wow. Here's a person who hears what God has said through his son, Jesus Christ, and how he has resonated that message out to the world and what kind of change it ought to bring about in us, his people. Matthew 12, 48. But he answered and said to the one who told him, Who is my mother? And who are my brothers? And he stretched out his hand toward his disciples and said, Here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. Do you know what the Lord was trying to do? He said, You're putting all your focus, all your attention on Mary, and truly she is blessed. But he said, But so are you. If you do my will, if you follow what I've got to say, you're blessed too. Now, folks, that ought to make us think. In fact, that's the reason for choosing this passage as our text. To think about how blessed Mary was and to say, even more are those of us who do the will of God and keep the will that he has presented to us. Next is Luke chapter 12, verses 37 through verse 43. Blessed are those servants whom the master, when he comes, will find watching. I say, surely, I say to you, he will gird himself and have them sit down to eat and will come and serve them. And if he should come in the second watch or in the third watch and find them so, blessed are those servants. But know this, that if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. Therefore, you also be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an hour which you do not expect. Then Peter said to him, Lord, do you speak this parable only to us or to all people? And the Lord said, Who then is that faithful and wise steward whom his master will make ruler over his household to give them their portion of food in due season? Blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. What a powerful passage of scripture. Here's the context. The Lord was teaching on keeping people prepared you can look at verses 35 and 36 and then 44 through 48. He said, let your waist be girded and your lamps burning. That's a real wonderful metaphor there. Let your waist be girded. That's how men would get ready if they were ready to run. They would reach through their legs, pull their garment, their robe up and tuck it into their girdle, their belt. And then they were ready to run. Your lamps burning. You've not got to light them. You've got them already prepared. And the reason why, because when somebody knocks, you want to have that door ready to open. You drop down to verses 44 through 48. 
Truly I say to you that he will make him ruler over all that he has. But if that servant says in his heart, my master is delaying his coming, begins to beat his male and female servants and eat and drink and be drunk, the master of that servant will come on a day in which he's not looking for him and at the hour when he's not aware and will cut him in two and apport a portion with the unbelievers and that servant who knew his master's will and did not prepare himself to do according to his will shall be beaten with many stripes. But he who did not know yet committed things deserving of stripes shall be beaten with few. For everyone to whom much is given from him much will be required and they of whom much has been committed of him, they will ask the more. You see, the Lord understood the deception of delay. People think if the Lord has delayed his coming, he's not coming at all. Second Peter chapter 3, he talked about the mockers who would come in the last day saying, where is the promise of his coming? Where is he? And it's just like today. There are people who'd look around and they'd say, well, the Lord hadn't come in over 2,000 years. Where is he? Is he going to come? Perhaps he's not going to come back again. In 2 Peter 3, verse 9, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise. Some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. And he talks about the heavens will be dissolved, the elements will melt with fervent heat. And then he talks about how important it is to be prepared for that day. Verse 12, looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God. We're looking for it. We're anticipating it. We're waiting for it. And thus he says, you need to be found blameless. And then we recognize that one who remains prepared has no fear of his master coming. In fact, he's looking for him. And when I start thinking about blessed, fortunate, fortunate is the person, happy is the person who is ready for the Lord's return. What if you all of a sudden now heard the sound of the trumpet the Bible tells us that the dead will be raised in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. The trumpet shall sound, the dead shall be raised, and we'll all be changed. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. If the trumpet were to sound, would you say, I'm ready to go, Lord. I've been looking for you. Here you are. If you're ready, you will be happy. Because there's eternity. There's blessings beyond measure. Things that you cannot uh, conceive of that the Lord has prepared for us. On the other hand, there are some people when they hear the Lord's coming are going to shudder and they're going to say, I'm not ready. And the Lord used some parables in Matthew 25, the parable of the five foolish virgins who didn't bring enough oil. They weren't ready. They weren't prepared. And when the, the bridegroom came, the door was shut and they came back and said, all right, we're ready now. Nope, you can't come in. You're not prepared. You were not prepared. The question is, really, are you prepared tonight? Let's take another one. Luke chapter 14, 12 through 15. Then he also said to those who invited him, when you give a dinner or a supper, do not ask your friends, your brothers, your relatives, nor your rich neighbors, 
lest they also invite you back and you be repaid. But when you give a feast, invite the poor, the maimed, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you, for you shall be repaid at the resurrection of the just. And when those who sat at the table heard these things, he said to him, Blessed is he who shall eat bread in the kingdom of God. Blessed is he who shall eat bread in the kingdom of God. And the Lord was talking about giving with no expectation of return. If someone comes to you and they need something, you give, you don't expect anything back. You're not loaning them anything. You're just simply giving for the right reason. And the Lord then talked about the giving of a great feast. Uh, I can visualize a, a great meal being had together. And, and he says, there's a person saying, but you know, Really, the blessed person is not the guy that feeds this meal. You might be blessed to be there at this great feast. But he said the great one is when you get to eat in the kingdom of God. And the Lord explained how many people would eventually not want to go. The person says, oh, it would be great to get to go to heaven and enjoy the Lord's presence. Okay. Here's the, here's the answer tonight. You can go. Lord gave you an invitation. All you've got to do is accept it. Look at verses 16 through 24. I, I'm not going to have time to read this in detail. A certain man gave a great supper and invited many. And he sent his servant at supper time to say to those who were invited, Come, all things are now ready. But they all with one accord began to make excuses. The first said, I bought a piece of ground. I must go and see it. I ask you to have me excused. Another said, I bought five yoke of oxen. I'm going to test them. I pray you have me excused. Another said, I married a wife. Everybody began to make excuses. Here's what's happening. The Lord's invitation is still extended to people. And you know what people are doing? Well, I'm sorry. I, I can't be there on Sunday night. I've got other things. I'm sorry. The Super Bowl's on. I'm sorry. I, I, I can't go. I, I, I've got other things. I've got visitors coming in tonight, and I, I just can't go to church. What if the Lord comes? What are you going to say then? He tells them to go out in the highways and the hedges and bring them in. Compel them. He says, For I say to you that none of those who were invited shall taste of my supper. Here's a man who said, Blessed is one who gets to eat in the kingdom of God. And Jesus said, Really? Do you want to do that? In Luke chapter 22, verses 15 and 16, there's the grandeur of being in the kingdom and celebrating the partaking of the Lord's Supper. And Jesus said, With fervent desire, I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say to you, I will no longer eat of it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. I am thrilled every Sunday morning that we have such a privilege to assemble around this table to partake of the emblems to remember the death of our Lord, His body and His blood and the great privilege that we have in that. And for some reason, due to illness, I can't do that. I miss that. The Lord's invitation has been extended and the question is, do we appreciate it? Too often we've been searching for happiness in the wrong places. We've been thinking that happiness can be found by having fame, being important, 
We think that it can be found by being rich and having great fortunes. And I can tell you some of the greatest people, the most contented people, the people who have peace that could pass understanding were those who loved the Lord and did what He said to do. And the Lord has a marvelous way of putting all this into proper perspective for us. He's able to just put it there where you can say, Blessed are, blessed is this man. And you can refine meaning in that tonight. We're going to sing the song, Let Jesus Come Into Your Heart. The Lord's invitation is extended to you to become a Christian or to have prayer if you need to be restored. What a wonderful privilege we have tonight. Would you come as together we stand and sing?